All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another game day edition of the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where all the revenue stays right here in the province at PlayAlberta.ca. Welcome to the show. It's a big game for the Edmonton Orders as they... Look to tie this series and make it a best of three. Uh, they are hoping to have a repeat of uh, the last series. I don't think they want a repeat performance of game four. If you recall, they were down two to one in the series and then uh, found themselves down three nothing versus the LA Kings before they uh, storm back to tie the game and then win it you know, on a Zach Hyman overtime goal. They, uh, you don't want to mess with fire. I don't think you want to be down three nothing again tonight. I'd be surprised. This has been an odd series in the sense that the games really haven't been close. I know the scoreboard said game one was close, but it really wasn't. When you when you look at, uh, yeah, it was close, it was 5-4, but Vegas was the better team for a vast majority of that game. Edmonton was the dominant team in game two. Vegas, the dominant team in game three. Will tonight be the night where both teams show up equally and it's back and forth? Who knows? Oiler fans are probably like, no thanks. You'd rather have your team just dominate. I get it. But uh, regardless of how they win, the Orders need to win. Uh, obviously, you don't want to go down 3-1. to one. We know Florida overcame it, so it's not impossible. It's just not ideal. Uh, lineup changes for the Edmonton Orders. We don't know 100%, but based on morning skate and the fact that Philip Broberg was out later, for quite a bit later, then the other guys was an optional. There was 10 skaters on the ice and the goalies. They all came off except Devin Shore and Philip Broberg. Those two stayed out quite a bit later. 
usually a sign they won't go. Matias Janmark, I fully expect him to play. And then the other one will be Zach Hyman. He didn't skate yesterday, did not take the optional today, but lots of guys didn't take the optional. Kane, Drysaddle, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Fogel, McLeod, they weren't out there. So we'll see. As uh, Jay Woodcross likes to say, who comes over the boards? Uh, or really, who comes out of the gate for warm-up? My hunch is Hyman plays. Is he banged up? Yeah, he's nicked up. I think he'll find a way because he finished that game. right? He got it out. It was a 5-1 game. If, if he was remotely seriously hurt, you just sit him down. So that, that's why I think. Now, maybe when the adrenaline wears off and everything else, the Charlie horse or the contusion, whatever you want to call it, that's what it looked like it is. Was it worse? We'll find out. But I think we could see 12-6 and six tonight for the Edmonton owners. And if they go 12-6, and six, I think they start the game tonight like they started game one against Vegas, which was dry subtle on one line, McDavid on another line. That doesn't mean you can't go to them at certain points of the game. At 5-on-5, five five, I think they can. But I could see them splitting them up. The McLeod, Fogel, Ryan line's been great in the series. No reason to change it. So that means Nick Bukestad would then be your fourth-line center and with Clem Costin, and then it's either Yanmark or Yamamoto. Now pick your poison. Both of them have played with dry subtle. I'm not sure one is clearly better than the other. They're different players. Yanmark... Uh, I think Yamamoto's actually got a little bit more offensive instincts. Yanmark, I think, is more reliable with the puck. So pick uh, pick what you want, and they'll go from there. And who knows? Maybe they'll switch depending on how the game goes. Uh, Vegas, they're going to have one lineup change. Significant one. Now, he did finish the game, but Aiden Hill will get his first NHL playoff start tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. Hill came in relief. In both Game 2 and Game 3, Game 3, though, a little different because Lauren Brassois left with an injury. Lauren Brassois not. Lauren Brassois is out for the series. So Bruce Cassidy didn't want to go as far as that, but he said they got to get back. They want to hear from the doctors, but he's not on the ice. He's not going to be suddenly magically recovered by Sunday. I, I don't see it happening. So it'll be uh, Aiden Hill. Jonathan Quick is now their backup. And uh, we'll see where the, uh, where the orders go. Tonight, I think they didn't really test Aiden Hill. He faced 22 shots. How many quality chances? I rewatched the game. I think I would say there was one really quality chance against Hill. You got to test. I don't care who the goalie is in the NHL. If you don't test them, they're going to make stops. It's not that hard, right? They're, they're going to make the the average save. That's not very difficult. So I look for the orders tonight. You want to test? Them. I think you want to get Aiden Hill. Like every goalie, you got to go east and west with him. And I, I think he's a guy, glove hand was susceptible in the regular season. Now, the other scouting report they had on Lauren Brassois was in tight, they really wanted to go five-hole. So we'll see. Do they do they switch it on, on Aiden Hill? But you'll be able to tell, really, if you watch closely at shot location early in the game, see what the uh, the orders are looking to do tonight. It's going to be a great game. Uh, a little bit later start. It'll be about an 8-10 puck drop tonight for those uh, at home or planning on going to the game. Uh, you want to watch the game? We're live at the cabin, Jasper Ave, 116th Street. It's a great place to watch the game. Great specials on uh, beers, $4. 
So basically, you know, get three for one here compared to the price of the outdoor viewing party. So pretty sweet deal. Also, I had it before it came on the air today. The cabin salad. It's delightful. Get chicken on top of it. It's got the mandarin orange, strawberry, lettuce. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I would uh, highly recommend that. Also, Strutty, big fan of their nachos. He tried them uh, last time, and uh, I literally did not get one. So you can tell uh, he likes it quite a bit. As always, you can get involved in the show. You can text us at 10 12 60. You can email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Gregor at tsn1260.ca. Other game tonight involves the Toronto Maple Leafs. They try to stave off elimination and avoid the second-round sweep. Obviously, they're not in a position they want to be in. Their, uh, their big guns are over. What, what was the, uh, the rhyme we had yesterday? Top four can't score on the verge of being shown the door. Then in the summer, what moves will they explore? We could do this all day long if we want. So uh, feel free to text in some rhymes for that if you like. Or maybe you want one uh, little poem for the uh, Oiler game. What are you expecting tonight? Honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea. Edmonton's going to generate chances. Even in Game 3 when they lost, they had a lot of good chances in the first 10 minutes. They didn't bury any of them. And I think they just weren't sharp, and that was a, a really good sign of why they weren't sharp, because they couldn't fit. They missed passes on odd man rushes. When they're on, they're making those passes. I still think they're going to generate chances tonight. Th- these two teams, they both give up a lot. They both generate a fair amount. So, you know, goaltending is going to be key. Stuart Skinner, I think he's going to have to be better. Than he has been. He was solid in game two. The order now the orders helped him in front, no question. So it's a combination, but they're going to need one or two big stops tonight from Stuart Skinner. Hey guys, uh, why is Quick the third stringer? Did his game drop off that much? Well, yes. If you watch Jonathan Quick's numbers all season long, they weren't great, right? He hasn't. He hasn't been outstanding uh, this season. If you look at him in the in the regular season in L.A., he had an 876 save percentage in 27 starts. 876 in the regular season. Then when he went to uh, Vegas, he played nine starts. A little bit better. He was up to 901. Right, but, but obviously uh, not ideal. And so they went to uh, Brisson Hill. And so, yeah, he's... Keep in mind, Thompson's hurt as well. So you could argue Quick's kind of like their fourth guy. So he uh, he will come in if, and honestly, if the orders chase Hill and they get to Quick, I think that's an even bigger advantage. Jonathan Quick is, this is not the Jonathan Quick who led the L.A. Kings to two Stanley Cups in three years. That Jonathan Quick was unreal. This one, not so much. So. Hey, Gregor, I'm nervous. The orders suck against backups from Dan. Well, here's a little number for you, Dan, because I I knew this question was coming, so I prepared for it. I looked it up before the show. The Orders have played very well for months now. Do you know the Orders haven't lost consecutive games since February 25th and February 27th? Since losing consecutive games, they finished the regular season at 18-2-1, and now, of course, haven't lost consecutive games in the playoffs which is a stretch of 30 games where they haven't lost back-to-back. 
so they bounce back. In that 30-game stretch, the Orders have faced the backup goalie starting the game six times. They're five and one. So I know people, we have a tendency to remember certain things, but our memory isn't always accurate. Have the Orders struggled at times against backups? Yes. Have they recently when they played well? No. So, um, you know, here's the thing about Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill, if the Orders don't generate chances, damn rights, he's going to beat them. But do I expect Aiden Hill to goalie the Oilers tonight? I would be surprised. I'll say that. I would be surprised. Connor Halley back at uh, TSN headquarters. What do you expect from from him tonight in goal? Oh, we're talking Aiden Hill here? Yes. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think the Oilers might have a bit of a better book on him. We heard Kevin Woodley talk about it uh, for the Oilers coaching staff. They do a very good job of kind of exposing the weakness of the opposing goalies and, and trying to target it. We saw it with the LA Kings as that series went on longer and longer. The Oilers kind of had the book there to beat Corpus Allo. I think, you know, going into it, they'll probably they'll have a little bit more there as well. But you nailed it. I mean, what did they really do last game against Aiden Hill? I mean, they, they didn't really test him. He came in and kind of had an easy game, uh, got the job done, of course. But I don't think they had any grade-A opportunities. So I think they'll have a bit of a book on him here. And, uh, you know, just hoping for the Oilers fans uh, listening that they can find a way to get a couple more grade-A opportunities. It's, it's tough to keep McDavid and settle off the board in consecutive games. Uh, they, they don't do that very often. So... I think we'll see a bounce-back performance and uh, give him some actual grade-A tests here. But uh, exposing those weaknesses, I, I got faith in what Jay Woodcroft and his coaching staff have been able to do this year. They, they seem to be able to pick teams apart with their weaknesses. I, I would think that they try to take advantage of that tonight. Hey, Gregor, this reminds me of uh, Pavel Francis. Well, Francis, so what did he He started the th- th- games two, three, and four last year for Colorado, right? And he came in relief. So I think in his order scored 10 goals on him in, in three games in a bit. Now, they, he did have a shutout. Was that game two? I think he had the shutout. Um, yeah, Francis is okay. But if, if you look at his overall numbers, like Edmonton and last year is irrelevant to me. There's lots of different players on the team. The orders are a different team. Um, this Vegas is a different team. Right, like this, this Vegas team is not the juggernaut in front of the goaltending that Colorado had last year. Right? Look at look at Colorado's goaltender's numbers in the playoffs. And, and I think you'll you'll understand that I don't I don't believe it was um it was great goaltending. Right? Darcy Camper had a 902 say percentage, Pavel Franzuz a 906. They were okay, but not stellar by any stretch. I think if Edmonton can't get to Aiden Hill, it's not because Aiden Hill's goaling them. I think it's because the defense is playing great in front of him or Edmonton has gotten stubborn and got away from their game plan like they did in Game 3. right? Ryan Nugent Hopkins openly said, we got away from our game plan. They wanted to make life difficult in the defense, and they didn't. And here's the stat that stands out to me. Vegas defenders had three hits in Game 3. You know why? Because Edmonton wasn't in the offensive zone very often. right? They, the Vegas defenders in Game 2 when they lost, they had four times as many hits. Game, game one, when Edmonton didn't generate a lot, guess what? Vegas only had six hits. It's you, When I look, there's certain numbers that will tell me about possession time and hits and everything like that. And I've really zoned in on defensemen. Because when your D-men have to hit a lot, usually it's more of a battle in the trenches, down low, you're working hard, you're forcing them to engage. 
It doesn't mean they're blowing you up with huge, hellacious hits, but they have to be more physical, which can be tiring. Strides is talking about when you're a defender and you're defending, now you got to run this guy. Oh, now you got to go over there. Now you're running the next guy. Right? It, there's just more battles. There wasn't many battles in Game 3. I'm not worried. As, I would be worried more about the orders, how they play, and how they get to the net, because I believe once... Once they generate chances, they should be able to score on Aiden Hill. Like Aiden Hill is not a guy I would be, um, I would be too worried about. Hey, Gregor, why isn't Holloway getting a shot in the lineup from Evan? Well, I, I think because the Edmonton Orders have not lost two games in a row in 30 games. I, I don't think the head coach wants to panic. Which left winger are you taking out? Are you taking out Clem Costin? Why? What's Clem Costin done to be to deserve to take out of the lineup? You're not taking Fogel out. You're not taking Kane out. You're not taking Nugent Hopkins out. So who are you taking out? Right? I just, I know Dylan Holloway is the young, shiny toy, and there's, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's fast. I get it. I totally understand it. But the orders, don't, they don't need more speed. Right? I, I don't think the orders' fourth line left winger cost them the game last one. So that, that's why I think Holloway's not in. Now, if they, you know, if they lose tonight, would the coach do it? Maybe. They did it last year. It didn't matter. Now, Holloway's a year older. But I really don't think that the order's fourth-line spot, like I don't think you're going to just insert Holloway, who hasn't played, and, and put him in your top six. And I could be wrong, but I'm not sure that's the case. So I, I think it's more so the coaching staff is pretty confident in their group of players. And and that's why, you know, Yanmark comes back in. They like how he's played. He's played well. He deserves to play. So he'll get back in. We'll see how they go. Coming up on the show today, we will uh, hear from uh, Gazola, of course, George Richards out of Florida, Mike Rupp, his weekly Wednesday chat, uh, Shane Knighty, former uh, NHLer, analyst for Vegas, will be by, uh, Rashog, uh, Ethan uh, Diamandis, we'll talk a little uh, baseball, also it's a rookie camp for the Elks, they're going to have many rookies make an impact on this team this year, mm, I'm not sure, probably maybe on special teams, so uh, we'll touch on that a little bit, and more on the Gregor Show live from the cabin, Jasper Ave and 116th Street. Rolling through Wednesday afternoon, game day on TSN 1260. Jason Greger back to you live from the cabin, pub, and party. Ooh, it's going to be quite the party tonight. So they're installing even a few extra TVs in here today. Jeez, I like it. Great place to watch a game. Lots of great specials, and you can serve your own beer. Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable unbelievable let's get to the chronicles brought to you by action electrical celebrating 50 years also that you know what uh, blake sent me you know thank you to all of you yesterday who responded and where they could get pop shop as they celebrate their 50th anniversary they're fired up so uh hopefully they'll have a lot of the uh, the lime from the pop shop there that's Action electrical as we uh, welcome in Tom Gazola and uh, I mean the orders are hoping for more action in the offensive zone tonight. Tom, uh, I, I think that's obviously priority number one for Edmonton is uh, they, they got to be better in the offensive zone. They got to make it harder on uh, Vegas's defense because I think in two of the three games Vegas defense has had a very easy night. Lots of lots of one and done. Hey, Greg's the other night with the Oilers, everything that they got basically off the rush. Uh, not a lot of sustained zone time or, or cycle game. And I know Vegas has a, a big, strong defense, but, I mean, the Oilers just everything was coming in off the rush, and then it was out. I think there was a couple of sequences where maybe the Oilers had a, a little bit of ozone time 
and uh, it, they didn't really generate much when it came to uh, converting it into a high danger chance of any any type or even a chance. So uh, that's something that uh, will be on the Oilers to be better in the offensive zone. Starts in the defensive zone, being crisp there, making uh, the right plays, and uh, and then getting into the offensive zone and try to create a little bit of havoc in front of Aiden Hill because. He didn't really get tested. He had an easy night. He cruised to that win, and uh, the Oilers are going to have to be way more aggressive and uh, way more focused on hanging on to the puck and trying to make something happen when they get into the offensive zone because one and done never really leads to success, especially for the Oilers. Well, the scouting report I got on Aiden Hill is he um, he's a little quicker side-to-side side on his knees than Brassois. He plays deeper in his net. So um, he's going to force you to pick corners, but there's also more exposure there. So that's kind of the, the scouting report on Aiden Hill. Yeah, well, and create chaos. I mean, ugly goals are good goals too. And the Oilers looked off a lot of opportunities and a lot of shooting lanes in Game 3, and that can't happen. And we know they have a tendency to, to get cute, and that crept up again. So take those shots, get them moving side to side, pick those corners. We know that the Oilers have a lot of snipers and uh, create chaos for Aiden Hill and take advantage of uh, his deficiencies. Simple as that. Well, in, in order to take advantage of it, you, you've got to get those chances. And yeah. I rewatched the game again um, yesterday, and, you know, the first 50 minutes, I think could have had more goals, right? Dry settle, obviously the one, you know, and I watched that replay in slow-mo. I'm a, I still think that uh, Brassois might have saved it, actually, because uh, there's no sound in the building of a post. But mm-hmm. on TV, it looked like post. Either way, it was close. Um, but then he missed the net on, on another opportunity that, that was open. Edmonton had chances in the first 50 minutes. But Jay Woodcroft said, he goes, yeah, we had those chances, but I could tell we weren't sharp because when you're not sharp, you're not converting. You're like, remember when they had the dry settle McDavid Bouchard and they overpassed it and you're just like, yep. what is happening? And so, um, you know, I'm curious to see how Edmonton responds. And do you think, I think they're going to go with the, uh, the game one lineup as far as dry settle McDavid starting on separate lines. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. It, it makes sense, especially if they're going to go back to 12 and six, um, couple indicators there, Greg's you, you and I were watching uh, morning skate and we noticed a couple things in the locker room too. Broberg went out early for the morning skate, uh, was an optional, and he stayed out really late. Uh, Matthias Janmark was on the ice for the morning skate. He was off early, and uh, you pointed out, you know, it's been a week since the injury occurred in game one, so he could be good to go. And if that helps Hyman, who was obviously dinged up as well, then, then yeah, we probably could see 11, or pardon me, 12 and 6, as opposed to the 11 and 7 that we've witnessed, um, you know, throughout the course of this season for a good chunk of it. And so if, if that is the case, then I think to counter Vegas's wave after wave of attack, and Bruce Cassidy talked about it today, his, his trust in his 12 forwards and six defensemen, he said, we have really good forwards. We have six really good defensemen, and I can just throw them out there. I'm not a matchup-heavy coach. I don't, I don't really focus on that. To counter that, Edmonton might want to add some stability to its lineup, and a good way to do that is to split up 97 and 29. But Greg's, as we know, with Jay Woodcroft in certain situations and moments and trying to create momentum or take advantage of an opportunity, he'll stack those guys up. So they're going to get their touches together probably five on five. But uh, if he separates them and, and that's the, the way he goes about the structure in this game, I would not be surprised. 
Tom Gazzola joins us. Seventh at Sports Center, TSN 1260. I like the McLeod line. So if they split up Dry Settle McDavid, I think it's going to be Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Hyman. And we assume Hyman's playing. I, I know he didn't skate yesterday. They didn't say anything. But Broberg was out so late. I just and Devin Shore mm-hmm. makes me believe they're going to start with 12 and six, and Hyman's mm-hmm. going to be one of those 12. So I think Hyman starts with McDavid and and. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, Kane, Dreisaitl. Do you put Yanmark or Yamamoto on that line, keeping the McLeod, Ryan, Fogel trio together? I see no reason to change them. And then you have yep. Bukestad and Costin. So do you have y- do you have Yamamoto, Bukestad, and Costin, or Yamamoto with Dreisaitl and Kane? I think, I mean, the tendency has been to throw Yamamoto out there and outside of that goal in against the Kings and to clinch it. Um, you know, offensively, he's been quiet. I get that. So I, I think that they... Just because of what they've done in the past, Yamamoto gets that first look, especially with, and if Janmark makes his return, you know what, he, he's missed some time, obviously, missed a lot of time in that first round, missed time in this series already, so maybe they ease him in, try to get him in more on the special team side of things. If Yamamoto's not going, Gregs, and say he does get thrust into that top six role to start tonight, if he's not going... Then a Bugstad goes up. Then a Costin, if he's playing well and moving his feet, goes up. If Janmark, if, if you could trust him and he's moving his feet and looks okay, then he goes up. So I think the leash would be short if that situation presented itself. And there's a, a trio of guys that could be elevated. And even if he, even if a situation occurs where you want to break up or you can break up uh, McLeod, Fogel, and Ryan, one of those guys might be having a good night. Say Derek Ryan's playing well, having a high impact on the game. Maybe he gets a few shifts on that line as well. So there's a lot of options, and I, I think if that does occur where they do go 12-6, and six, they start with Yamamoto in the top six. If he's not contributing, doing anything, being a little spark plug, then he'll be uh, off that line in a hurry, and someone else will replace him. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, that could be fair. Like, I definitely don't think they're locked in just to play at all time. I think we'll see some shifts where uh, McDavid's with Drysaddle and Kane. I won't be shocked by that just because of that uh, that wing spot. So uh, I'll be curious to see. Uh, you know, this game, the Orders can't have a repeat performance of Game 4 in L.A., uh, at least for the first half. Because if, if you think you're going to come back from a 3 nothing deficit all the time, it's probably unlikely. Um, Edmonton yeah. has scored first in all three games. The difference, though, Tommy, is in Game 1, they scored first, 40 seconds later, Vegas tied it. Then Edmonton battles back. They tie the game at three. A minute later, they give up a goal. Game three, Fogle scores. Minute later, boom, they give up a, a goal to tie. I think the key for Edmonton tonight is if they get a lead, they've got to do what they did in game two. Just keep attacking, keep pressing. They can't. Vegas is a very good counterpunching team, and we've noticed that. And Cassidy talked about that as well today. He was, you know, why is your team so effective at? coming back strong after it gets scored on, and he just says, we have good veteran players. He reiterated that point. So we've seen it happen to the Oilers, and then from an Oilers standpoint, too, get the right guys on the ice. Get the right guys on the ice to either go and dictate the pace of the next shift or to to handle the moment and that, that burst of energy that's coming back against you from the Golden Knights because there's been times, and, and I remember back to game one, I'll use that as an example. They threw DeHarnay out there, and and uh, he coughed it up and had a tough shift after, and they got scored on. So uh, have the right guys out there, the guys that are playing well sound defensively, maybe the guys that are pushing the pace in the offensive zone, and uh, know how to embrace uh, what's coming at you from the Golden Knights because they do fight back and counterpunch really quickly. 
but uh, you, you need the right guys out there personnel-wise to handle that situation, and, uh, and at times we haven't seen it. So, I mean, we've learned some tendencies about the Golden Knights, and one of those things is they'll come right back at you after you get one on them, and uh, they've burnt the orders a few times. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Tom, what does he need to do? In your eyes, to get to get his game going offensively. Yeah, well, I'll just start with get his ass in gear. I'll, that's simple as that. Um, move your feet again. You did it in game two. You had two assists. And I know a lot of his points are on the power play. That's good. I, I don't want to knock that because that's good. This power play has been great. Move your feet. Again, move your feet. Do stuff. Be proactive. Uh, that's part of the reason why, I mean, he could, you could use him as the perfect shining example of why they didn't get any power plays the other night or they wait, had to wait so long to get their first full one. Um, you know, move your feet, get your butt going and, and force the other team to, to try to defend you and take those penalties. And he's one of those guys that hasn't really been proactive and he's looked bad in this postseason and they need him to be the Nugent Hopkins that put together a 104 point season. He has not been that. Uh, game two was a step in the right direction, Gregs. Game three was two steps back for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So be proactive. And I know Jay Woodcroft talked about he likes the looks and some of the, the choices that Nugent Hopkins has made on the ice, but I think that was just him, you know, trying to defend his veteran player and being a good coach and all that. But uh, Nugent Hopkins has not been the guy that they need him to be so far this postseason. So get those feet moving. And uh, his natural instincts and abilities should be able to kick in. But uh, that's something that he clearly hasn't been doing this series or this uh, entire postseason for the majority of it. Tommy, get yourself a nap and uh, get ready for the pregame show coming up at 6.30. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Greg. See you later. It's Tom Gazzola the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. we got a lot of texts flying in at uh, 10, 12, 60. Always email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor, TSN1260. Hey guys, do you think Woodcroft juggled the lines too early last game from JP? Um, well, not really. I think he kind of stuck with his lines last game. Like the Fogel line, he stuck with them, right? When you, when you only have uh, eleven forwards, there's there's really only three lines, so there's always going to be somebody. Uh, uh, switching around and shifting. Uh, when, when he got to the third period, like the game was out of hand. So at the, it was five to one. The third period, yeah, he tried some things, but by then, to me, the game was out of hand. I, I didn't. I don't recall him switching the line combinations a whole bunch in the in the first or second period, kind of from what he had had. So, hey guys, Fogle has a higher goals per goals four percentage with Leon than any Ford, including McDavid. Why not play them together and put Bukestad with McLeod and Ryan from Brad? Well, Brad, you know what? I wouldn't be totally opposed to that either. Fogel, his speed works well with with the um, um, drives up. Now, the reason you can't put McLeod with Ryan and Fogel is then who's your fourth line center? Because then that leaves Costin, Yamamoto, and Yanmark, and Yanmark hasn't played center in six years. So, if if you do that, then you'd probably have to bring in Devin Shore, or go eleven and seven. And I don't think they're going eleven and seven based on Broberg at practice this morning. But I. I understand if someone says, hey, they should go Fogle. But here's why I don't believe Jay Woodcroft is going to, at least to start the game, is going to go complete blender on his lines. Because as I mentioned earlier, the Orders haven't lost consecutive games in 30 starts. Right? Like, you kind of got to have faith in your team. 
I think that's a very powerful thing is when you show them through actions that you still believe in them. Now, if some guys aren't going in the first period, you can change them. No question. I've really liked McLeod and Fogle together. I've liked their line a lot. And because Vegas has, you know, three really good lines and their fourth line is not chopped liver, you're going to need, you know, a McLeod line going. Now, will they go as well with Ryan and Bukestad, two right shots without Fogle? Nah, I'm not sure. Bukestad's not as quick as Fogle. I think Fogle's speed helps make that line effective. So, well, I understand the dry side one. I don't, like, the owners have proven they can score without Fogle playing in their top six. And Fogle, by the way, did score his first playoff goal in 22 games. Um, yeah, there's first one for the orders. So, I like Fogel a lot. You know what? If the game's not going and that second line's not going and you've got Yamamoto or Yanmark there, I could see that switch. Then I'd have uh, I'd have no problem with it. I think that would make sense. Hey, guys, uh, far too often it's a DeHarnay pairing out there after goal for the orders. Other teams come out swing. They've had success against them. L.A. did it. Now Vegas is doing it. Woodcroft has to move away from that. Mike? Uh, well, definitely the one goal he was on for, for sure. Um, DeHarnay, actually, I thought in game three, was the order's, he was maybe the order's best defenseman. Wasn't on the ice for a goal against, played 15 minutes. I thought he bounced back really well in both game two and game three. But I can understand. And, and But the thing is, Jay Woodcroft's done that a lot, and the teams haven't scored. Right, so... He does like to empower his players to say, oh, the other team just scored. Trust me. I, I want all of you to feel confident in every situation. Now, some would say maybe now is not the time, so I can understand that too. But I, I think a reason why the Orders have had success under Jay Woodcroft is he's done a lot to empower his players. And ice time is one of the biggest empowerment. Like, it's easy to play, guys, you know, when you're up 6-2. Okay, you're going to run with you guys. And all of a sudden, it's a one nothing game. You're in the playoffs. It's like, okay, third line. You guys are up right after. Players know, hey, man, this is a big moment. we got to be ready. And, and then if you do it well and the coach keeps doing it, you know, it gives the, the players kind of a feeling of, hey, I belong here. I'm important. And, and I think Woodcroft's done a pretty good job of that. Now, I, I also agree that DNA has had some, some struggles at times in the postseason. As a rookie defender, would I would expect him to. But the reason I'm not taking him out for Broberg is because he's a right shot. Broberg's a left shot, and I think DeHarnay has still, despite a few big errors, I think overall his game has still had more positives than negatives. That's what I see it as. Quick break. Uh, when we return, we'll get more on the orders. We're going to hear from uh, Nick Bukestad, uh, Ryan McLeod. Uh, Nick Bukestad, by the way, this is only his first time ever in his career in the second round. So as much as it's a stressful time, it's also having like the time of his life. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Ryan McLeod on, you know, everybody talks about flushing game three. So how do you do it? We'll find out that and more. And a little Jay's talk on Empton Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Game day continues on the Jason Greger Show and Empton Sports Theater, TSN 1260, live at the Cabin Pub and party getting set for game four tonight. They do have a few tables left. If you want to get to the game tonight, I recommend maybe give them a call to ensure your reservation or show up. And remember, $4 pints start at 7.30 tonight. Lots of... Uh, $5 hamburgers, too. Woo, sweet deal. Jasper Ave and 100 
And uh, 16th Street. Uh, let's talk a little MLB. I know uh, playoffs are going on. Lots going on there. But uh, I haven't touched a little uh, MLB in a while as we get to our MLB report. Brought to you by All Tech Supply, the only Canadian-owned Valve Master Distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com. And the uh, the Blue Jays have had, uh, hey, it's kind of like this series, up and down from uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, Ethan Demondis joins us uh, once again. And, uh, Ethan, kind of, what's your read? I know it's very early in, a, in an MLB season on the Jays thus far. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me. Um, I, you know what? I, I, was in, I was in Pittsburgh this weekend, uh, and that's coming off the Jays' uh, four-game sweep at the hands of the Red Sox. And I thought vibes would be – Really, really bad. I thought guys would be low, but I spoke to a few guys in the clubhouse, and all is good. I think this team has a really good understanding for how talented it is. And, you know, this is an older team. It's older than last year. There are some veteran guys who understand that there are ebbs and flows during the course of a baseball season. And I think the Jays are doing a good job right now of not getting too high and not getting too low. So, yeah, it's been a little bumpy for them in the last 10 games or so, but uh, I think they're hanging in there pretty well. What do you make of Kikuchi? It's quite the uh, bounce back here. I think a lot of people were uh, were very nervous that he even made the starting rotation, but, man, that guy's been a savior for them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually quite unbelievable. It, it, you think with the Jays' rotation, you know, someone like Manoa, uh, Kevin Gosman would, would be, you know, leading the way. But right now, Kikuchi has the best ERA in that rotation. It, it's quite wild. And he was as dominant as I've ever seen him um, yeah. on the weekend against Pittsburgh. He, he's been great. And he's been dishing out quality starts. Uh, he's been getting some strikeouts. But um, overall, you know, he seems to be throwing more strikes. And I think that's what you need from from a lefty with good stuff. If he can get ahead and throw strikes, he hasn't had one outing where he's walked more than two batters. Uh, so that's really important because we saw him fall behind and struggle with command last year. But, man, he looks a lot sharper this year. Yeah, really. Uh, Guzman's probably the only guy who's had better control as far as walks go. Right, he's got eight compared to, you know, like Alex Manoa. It's funny. If if you looked at stats in the name and if you said, okay, which guy's 5-0 and with a 3.35 ERA and which guy's 1-3 and with a 4.83 most people would have said, well, yeah, obviously it's Manoa who's 5-0 and and Kikuchi's 1-3. and But it's completely role reversal, and Manoa has struggled significantly, and a lot of it with his control. He's got 25 walks in 41 innings, which is just terrible. What's wrong with his location right now? Yeah, Manoa has been struggling pretty much since the get-go, and that he's a good enough pitcher that he can kind of squeak through even if he doesn't have his best stuff. But it's been really clear that, yeah, like you said, the walks are a problem. The most important pitch in baseball is strike one. you got to get ahead. And uh, we haven't seen that this year from Alec Manoa, and I think it's a product of the slider letting him down a little bit. I mean, not only is that pitch uh, not hitting the zone, it just doesn't have the same bite to it, and I think guys are really teeing it up. Uh, Last I checked, there's a a StatCast metric called run value that evaluates kind of each pitch uh, on league average, and his slider is among the worst pitches in baseball. And that goes from a pitch that was, you know, among the best in baseball in years prior. So when you're not hitting the zone and when your strikeout pitch isn't necessarily carrying the same bite it normally does, I mean, guys are going to be able to tee you up because they wait for a pitch that comes in the zone and they kind of unload. So with a guy like Manoa, when he's walking a lot of people, he's probably going to be giving up a lot of hits too, and that's what we're seeing right now. Ethan Diamantes joins us uh, breaking down the uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, what about at the plate? 
you know, like, hey, scoring runs is never going to really be an issue for the uh, the Jays. But uh, who has been uh, the best batter all around, do you feel, right now for Toronto? It's it's tough not to say that Matt Chapman has been their best hitter. Um, he's been fantastic. I mean, last year, you know, the Jays kind of got the power from him, maybe, that fans were expecting. But certainly the batting average wasn't where it Chapman wanted it to be. I mean, it was in the 210s, I believe. Uh, this year's just been incredible. I mean, he's been he's been the best hitter in baseball, plain and simple. I mean, he's hitting over 340. Um, you know, he's slugging almost 600. He is he's been you know awesome from the get go. He's he's hitting the ball in the gap. He's hitting home runs. He plays strong defense at third base. I mean, w- without a doubt, Chapman's been their best hitter. He's been hitting cleanup for them. He's earned that spot um, and a walk year for him too. So uh, double double impressive on his part. No, hey, Chapman was good last year. There's no question. Um, now that last year the Jays were really right bat heavy, right? They they went out and you know they wanted to make a change in their lineup to, to get to, to get a lefty in. And I, I don't know, like I know it's early on, but it, it's kind of hard to to figure that you know Varsho could could really do any better. I think he's been excellent, uh, not only offensively but defensively, but specifically just giving him you know a, a you know a left-handed bat that gives him some some looks at key times in games. Yeah, Varsho has been kind of a perfect complement to what this lineup was last year. I mean, he's first off, like you said, he's left-handed, but he's also pretty quick on the bases, and he's a guy that you know he'll swing and miss quite a bit. Um, but he's a different look for pitchers. You know, he's kind of a smaller guy, and you know, therefore a smaller strike zone. Um, but he has a surprising amount of power, some good pull power. Um, so yeah, he's a perfect guy to break up. You know, a bow and and a Chapman. Um, or kind of put it at the end there with Whit Merrifield in that 5-6 spot or even hit cleanup when Chapman's gone. I mean, he's he's a plug-and-play guy. He's a bit of a spark plug. Uh, you know, he, he plays with tons of energy. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're seeing great defense, and uh, he, he's kind of been the uh, the addition that the Blue Jays had hoped for when they when they traded for him. Now, are, are you surprised that, like, Merrifield's basically taken over the second-base job? He's become their main guy there. Are you surprised by that at all? And do you think the Jays are uh, are they remote? Is there any sort of disappointment in the fact that you know he's claimed that job so so handily right now? No, I don't think there's disappointment to answer that question. I mean, when a guy's producing, you're going to let him run with it, and that's kind of like how it's been with this club. I mean, there certainly was an opportunity for one of Kevin Biggio, one of Santiago Espinal, to eat into those reps. I'd always seemed like Witt was kind of going to be the 1A guy and that, you know, depending on his production, things might change. But, I mean, he's been a machine. He's been the, the two-hit Witt guy that, you know, played in Kansas City for so long. Uh, he's, you know, he's hitting in the 290s. Uh, he's hitting the ball down the line, lots of doubles. And, I mean, you know, if you could just play adequate defense, you know, run pretty well. I mean, Witt uh, is pretty good with the stolen bases, too. Um, that's good enough from, from second base. You don't need kind of a, a slugger in that spot. And I mean, Witt's been consistent um, and he's putting the ball in play. And I think the Jays are very happy with that. Yeah, no, not the, maybe not the disappointed with him, but just disappointed, you know, with the play of their other second baseman is probably a better way to avoid that. Yeah, I, I would, I would say the Jays have been disappointed with the production uh, that they've received from Kevin Biggio. Santiago Espinal is coming along and, and he'll inherently have, more value than Merrifield or Biggio defensively because he's just he's so sound as a defender. Um, but yeah, Kevin Biggio, I, I mean, he's been really disappointing. He um, 
he's a guy that started his career really strong. Uh, but, you know, it, it's been a few years now of some struggles. And right now, Kevin is not really walking. And that's, you know, supposed to be kind of his strength. He's a guy that has a good feel for the zone at the plate. Um, so when he's not getting walks, uh, he's not, you know, he's clearly not locked in if that's the case. And then I'm not sure, you know, if he's very productive if he's not getting walks. So definitely, definitely a tough start to the year for Kevin Biggio. Ethan, really appreciate the rundown, man. Uh, enjoy the uh, the game that's going on right now. Uh, Jays and the, uh, the Phillies, uh, no score through three. Thanks for having me, Jason. Always a pleasure. So, honestly, how many of you who are diehard Jays fans, when you when you consider the starting pitchers, uh, come on, like, and I get it. Based on last year, there was lots of frustration. On what are the Jays doing? They need a fifth starter. Kikuchi's being he's 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 being their best. Well, I think he's being their best starter. He's got the lowest ERA. He's five and zero. Oh, like, what else you want from the guy? He's being solid, and they really like. The good news for the Jays is, you know, they're sitting here uh, today as we speak. You know, they're not out of the race by any stretch of the imagination when you look at the wild card. They're all like, you know, everybody's way behind Tampa Bay because they got off to such a ridiculous start. But the Jays are ahead of both Boston and the Yankees right now. They're tied in wins, but the Jays have uh, fewer losses. So, and that's with Manoa basically being brutal for the most part of the season. He's had eight starts. Does he have one quality start? Maybe two. You really have to reach to say two. So, now, if he can find his game, it's going to make them uh, a heck of a lot better. We'll come back. to Struddy's here. We're going to talk uh, a lot of hockey. We're going to hear from uh, Bukestad and Fogel and uh, much more in Edmonton Sports Leader TSN 206. We've got a lot of text about uh, why they're playing Deharnay. I'll tell you why they're playing Deharnay next after a Sports Center update brought to you by MC Dispatch. Locally owned and operated. They're a same-day courier company. You need a package moved? efficiently effectively and today go to mcdispatch.com and they'll move it for you mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.